Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Uh, well, today we're here with uh, Fazul Kader. Uh, he's a very, very special guest. Uh, uh, doc- See, I did it again. I always call you Dr. Kader. It's a sign of respect. But uh, Fazlul is the Deputy Managing Director of the Pale Karma Sayuk Foundation, or uh, more better known as the PKSF Foundation, uh, in Bangladesh. Uh, I have had the great privilege of working uh, with uh, Fazlul in, uh, and PKSF on several occasions in, in Bangladesh. Um, and we can talk a little bit about what PKSF does in a minute. But I just, I just wanted to say, Fazlul, the first time... I saw you. You came into a meeting room uh, at the, I guess it was the Ministry of Finance, and uh, you proceeded to talk about everything from the intricacies and the minutiae of economic and business development right through to the motivations of spiritual travelers uh, uh, on the subcontinent. <laughs> and it was such a pleasure. It was shocking how much you knew, and it's such a pleasure to be here with you today. It, it was a lovely experience to work with you, Mark. We really enjoy, I mean, at PKSF to work with you. Whenever you come, everything, I mean, changes. I mean, you you, you have a very loving attitude to thank, everything. Thank you so thank much. You. I have to tell you, though, that um, the first time I came to Bangladesh, I was <clears throat> I, I suffered some culture shock. Uh, it is an intense uh, and busy and, uh, well, amazing country, and it's hard to take in all at once. It's an incredible place. Yeah, I mean, if you put all the people of the world in USA, even then the USA will not attain the density of population we have in Bangladesh. It's it's absolutely true. <laughs> so you can you can imagine I mean, what kind of population density we have in Bangladesh. Yeah, so you have to have 10 billion people in USA. Wow! And somebody said to me it's about the size of Ohio, Bangladesh. Uh, it's only it's only 55,000 square miles, wow. about 145. Thousand square kilometers. Yeah, and it, what, what what strikes everybody? I have a friend here in Mexico, and she was dating a fellow from Bangladesh. Didn't work out in the end, but um, and she she said uh, every Bangladeshi she met in Los Angeles uh, was so nice and so kind. And I found the same thing in Bangladesh. And I'm you know, I'm a Canadian, so we have lots of space, you know. <laughs> and I don't know if I could survive being nice in such a densely populated country. I mean, it, and everybody is so nice. I, what's the secret? What's the secret sauce? Thank you for your kind words. I think Bangladesh is a new land, actually. This is a delta, delta of the three great rivers, Ganges, Brahmaputra, and Meghna. And comparatively, it's a new land. So as you know, the deltas are very fertile land. And in ancient times, people come from all over the world in Bangladesh today. So if you, if you call USA as a melting pot, Bangladesh is actually a melted pot. <laughs> we have Mongo- we have Mongoloid people from the northeast and from the east. And then we have the early Dravidian people. And the from 15th century BC, the 
Aryans started pouring in, so we melted all of them. So that's why culturally Bangladesh, is, we are very rich. We know to accommodate people. That's our cultural strength. Yeah. One um, the, sorry. Yes. Uh, and then even uh, before the time of Renaissance in Europe, our poets used to say that man is above all. I mean, everything, whatever is created, religion or or any system, whatever, it's for man. So mankind is above all. So so we we can accommodate. I think that's the that's the great thing about our culture. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people uh, do know that it, it, Bangladesh is a Muslim country. A lot of people actually don't know that. Uh, they associate it more with uh, Hinduism in 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 India. Uh, but it struck me, uh, it struck me when I went there how, you know, open and freely most people talk about different religions and about different cultures. Uh, and, and, and if you're not, if you're not a student of these things, that can take you by surprise, a pleasant surprise. Uh, okay. I mean, in Bangladesh, for example, Hinduism, Hinduism is a very dubious word. I mean, actually what people... <laughs> means by Hinduism, it's it's so, I mean, the it's so diverse. So the essence of Hinduism is, it's a, it's a platform that accommodates everything. I mean, from atheism to monotheism. So today, the kind of Hinduism we, we see, I mean, at the politically at the lead, I mean, at the leading state, that is not the true uh, representative of Hinduism. Hinduism is all about uh, accommodatism, what you can call it. Mm. So is so is when Islam came here, the kind of Hinduism prevalent in this country was caste-based, severe caste-based. So before that, the majority of the people of Bengal was Buddhist. They wanted to get out of caste, severe caste system. And mm. then again, it came back with full, during the empire of sins, the fundamentalist Hindus came back in a in a very hard way, and then Islam came here. So the people got attracted by the uh, by the humanism of Islam. By everybody is equal for that reason. They wanted to get rid of the caste right. system. Actually, mm. so because of the Sufi saints, Islam spreaded here. So the kind of Wahhabi type Islam, the strict so-called very rude and those kind of we are not very familiar with those kind of <laughs> uh, <laughs> things. So we have here mystic poets and the, we call them Baul. Baul is a fusion between Hindu Vaishnavism and Muslim Sufism. So the essence, essence was always, the spirit was always to be together, to accommodate people and to see human beings as human beings because our poets in ancient times said if you cut them you have all we all have red blood yeah so i think that's our strength yeah i he said, he said the poet said i mean black or white or yellow it's on the outside in inside everybody's red yeah that's that's a wonderful <laughs> saying. I've, I've i've managed to read some rumi uh, one of your your the sufi poets yeah. um, but um yes. Let's let's turn to this is incredible. I mean, it's very difficult for a Canadian, even though I'm fifth generation Canadian, which is a long time for a Canadian, uh, for for us to somehow get our hands around this 
enormous and intricate uh, culture and history that you have in Bangladesh. Um, it, it's really incredible. And I think you, when, when you're there, you kind of feel you feel the history all around you. Uh, and it's wonderful. And I, I, I would recommend anybody to, to go and, and uh, do a walkabout in, in Bangladesh. It's a beautiful country. But a lot of people, uh, you know, sort of um, think of Bangladesh and they think of poverty and they think of, you know, economic challenges and they think of these kinds of things. And I, I wanted to ask you, because I know that PKSF uh, works, well, I've worked with you. So you, you guys work in rural development, particularly in finance. Um, I just want to get your views, uh, share some of your thoughts about w- how you see Bangladesh, you know, progressing uh, into the future over the past few years, maybe in, in terms of, of, of working uh, on poverty alleviation and food security. Mm, Bangladesh is actually just before 300 years ago, it's, it was the richest region in Indian subcontinent. And you know that in those time, everybody was crazy to come to India from the West and, <laughs> and Bengal, Bengal was the richest zone. And eventually, uh, for the, during the colonialism, uh, we got pauperized, especially our social institutions and political institutions were destroyed. And, and that's why we couldn't have enough chance to grow, to have an organic kind of growth here. So again, we got pauperized financially, I would say, but not culturally. And then what happened, you know that we had two, we have basically followers of two great religions, Islam and Hinduism. So Hindus got a bit educationally, a bit more advanced during colonial time and Muslim as they, they were sort of dethroned. So they shied away from Western education. They got, got, got a bit, I mean, they fall back in education. And then again, through a system, I mean, the parity started coming. And after the end of colonial system, we opted to uh, go go for Pakistan. We were part of East, uh, we were East Pakistan became. But again, for disparity, we got independence in 1971 from uh, Pakistan. And Bangladesh, from then on, you remember Henry Kissinger, the the U.S. Uh, Secretary General, I think, Secretary he State, said yeah. Bangladesh should be a would be a bottomless basket. His famous speech, and and Bangladesh Kissinger is a this word has become a slang actually. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you if you if you if you want to do any dubious thing, people say don't do Kissinger. <laughs> That's a verb. <laughs> and then anyway, uh, this this. And we proved this guy wrong because over the last Bangladesh, despite our political institutions are still, are not said the best in the world, it's weak. Still, we have got a long way to go. But but we have started practicing democracy sustainably since 1990, and then economic macroeconomic stability. We have maintained macroeconomic stability for, since 1990. I would say. And from then on, we have sustained growth rate of 5%, 5.5%, 6%. And over the last few years, we have crossed the boundary of 7%. And it's the interesting thing is our government system and those systems are, I would say, very weak still. It's not very 
the policy environments are very supportive, but the systems, I mean, the implementations of policies and the law is not very good in the country. But despite all the odds, the people of this country are very enterprising, very enterprising. Whenever they get a chance, and they're very resilient also. Yeah. They're, they're very, I mean, enterprising and and they actually moved the country up and the micro entrepreneurs as you know in bangladesh they constitute about uh, 54% of the total employment of this i mean this is the source of employment of 54% employment in the country yeah. and we have about 10 million people i guess in abroad working as migrant workers so combined with the work of the micro entrepreneurs and the uh, and the immigrants remittance, the rural economy of Bangladesh is also doing fine. And that's why actually disparity hasn't increased in Bangladesh over the last uh, last few years. Mm. This is stable. At least yeah. stable in many countries, yeah. it's increasing. But Bangladesh is about for, I, I think 42. Point one or something like mm. that. I mean, but it's a stable there for the. It's yeah. because we have a good garment sector also, and then and then the because of the macroeconomic stability, everything worked in a in a concerted manner. Yeah, and yeah. There is people are enthusiastic, this that, and that's why microfinance I'd say also. I, I wanted now, to. It, 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 it's very interesting the, the themes that you're weaving together there because in in one of the one of the projects that I actually had a the honor to visit in in um, uh, in one of the projects uh, for PKSF was this fellow it was a family and the fellow went to Saudi for uh, three or four years saved up all his money uh, came back uh, to his rural village I think it was in the southwest of Bangladesh and. Um, and uh, he got some assistance from PKSF. Uh, it, uh, it was um, on how to do, uh, what do they call those things where they lift the, they lift the goat pens off the ground? Anyways, yeah. so, so they, had this, anyway. they have this hotel for <laughs> goats. And he had a bunch of goats oh, in yeah. there. And his his wife was the business manager and he was the, he was the, the farmer. And they had done exceptionally well. They had a small loan from one of the partner organizations of PKSF. He had gone to Saudi, and they were very entrepreneurial. And so it just fits sort of like the model that you were saying. And I saw that uh, mm -hmm. in various places in rural rural Bangladesh. Really resilient folks. Yes. For example, in Bangladesh, financial inclusion rate is uh, second highest in South Asia. And in, in many social indicators, we are far above than India. For example, sanitation. I mean, almost 100%. We uh, Bangladesh has achieved success in uh, I mean in covering 100% sanitation. And then our mortal child mortality rate is very. We have reduced it to a very low level. At the same time, uh, uh, enrollment in in schools of uh, girls is very high. It's even better than male male children and then but we have got challenges also it drops down after schooling 
and and in many other social indicators so, for example access to safe water we have done very good results so we are at the same time though per capita income we have recently crossed the income of pakistan and about to touch the per capita of income of india but i think on the social indicators as we have improved tremendously we have laid strong we are laying strong foundation for future growth but we have many 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 challenges also ahead i mean yeah. many challenges it, it, it there are always challenges i think we're seeing them sprout up pretty much every everywhere in the world i wanted to ask you a little bit about the private sector in in bangladesh and, and how they've been contributing to um, uh, all this uh, growth and development in bangladesh actually everything everything has become almost privatized mm-hmm. we don't have a big public sector anymore for example in in agricultural sector even i mean uh, the agricultural input distribution system is largely has been has largely been privatized and the government actually uh, created that policy environment and created that conducive environment so that private agencies can grow so there is competition in the rural areas in among private uh distrib- private inputs uh, distributors and that's why i think uh, we are improving we the farmers are getting better seeds at reasonable price and the fertilizer management distribution system also the government is very keen on that and the irrigation management system also we gave top priority during the irrigation irrigation season among the power i mean the use of power uh, the is the government gives highest priority so that irrigation is not disrupted so for these reasons and and the recent breakthroughs in the agricultural system also we are capitalizing on that so bangladesh has become for example fourth biggest producer of aqua culture based fishery and then on vegetable production we are we have become ninth in the world and 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 so on i mean we are a very big rice producing country and in and the in horticulture in bangladesh improving very quickly and because of the purchasing power has been incre- increasing sustainably in the rural areas as a result the supply side is also has started responding the educated guys are now getting interested in in getting involved in farming sector or cash crop and other things hiding and, and 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 for example floriculture you must have seen in joshore i think yeah the floriculture is developing and with with you are involved with ifad international mm-hmm. fund for agricultural development we are providing various value chain development services so that we can provide positive impetus to uh, agricultural development so that mm-hmm. they can produce better on the one side they can, farmers can earn more profit and and reduce their cost and and enhance their capacity to market their goods more profitably yeah we have recently started working on uh, developing an e-commerce platform like alibaba so that we can we can hook the farmers with that e-commerce platform so that they are linked with the wider national market at the same time why not in with the international market later and we are going for slowly going for the agro based processing industries 
So, so in in total, Bangladesh, uh, the rural economy is very vibrant. At the same time, contribution, the service sector is is uh, growing very quite fast because the agricultural sector now contributes about uh, 15-16% to GDP. Just before 40 years ago, it was about 80%, close to 80%. Wow, that's a change. So while the agriculture size of the volume of the agricultural sector has increased at least by threefold side, and still the contribution has reduced from 80% to 16-17%. You know, and sorry. Yes. It, one of the things, one of the things that uh, that's, I mean, uh, th these figures are astounding. The and I don't think a lot of people know that Bangladesh produces so much uh, agricultural um, goods, uh, particularly because it is a small country and it has such a large population. It's it's actually incredible to know that it's fourth in this, ninth in that, and and growing in so many other areas. One thing that struck me as um, really impressive, though, is with the um, uh, the integration or the, at least the welcoming of the Rohingya uh, refugees from Myanmar, uh, that a lot of Bangladeshis were saying, hey, we're not just self-sufficient in food. We can also help another million people uh, eat in our country. Yes. I, that is incredibly, and it must make you in, in very, very proud. Yeah, we, we, we uh, sometimes I also feel uh, very astonished I mean because <laughs> I've seen this Bangladesh in some areas I've seen myself where when people couldn't have three meals in a day sometimes they during the lean season they used to have one meal a day for two months mm. we call those areas monga areas we, monga is a term used for temporary uh, famine yeah. I've seen it before, just before 25 years ago, 20 years ago, and those things are now history. History, and and now we are, in a sense, we are worried politically very much about Rohingya people, but not worried that much for feeding them. Okay, so so because uh, Bangladesh has a huge population, about. 160 million officially we have 160 million population so 10 million people is is quite a quite a bit of population but still we can absorb them absorb them for I don't think for an indefinite period of time it's a pressure on us but still we have the confidence that we can feed them for for quite some time you know, it's a it's a challenging political situation I'm sure um, very challenging. I, you know, I have a, a one you know, one last thought uh, kind of question. I remember we had the opportunity to um, uh, take advantage of a traffic jam in Dhaka, which seems to be one of the <laughs> 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 worst in the world. The worst in the world. Yeah. I mean, oh, yes. I remember, I mean, just before the day, yeah, day before yesterday, day before yesterday, it took three hours for me to cross six kilometers oh, you can imagine uh, it well we, it, uh, we are waiting for the sky train system to be finished really yeah. otherwise we'll be gone. I mean, well the so government is trying to I mean build the infrastructure fast well if you're but, in, but in, if you're in yes. the if you're in the right company a, tra a long traffic jam can be quite quite nice uh, we it, it forces you oh, to slow oh. down and I remember uh, sitting in the back of the uh, of your car for oh, about an hour or so as we chatted about this and that, 
And 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 one of the things that you said to me that um, that really that really struck uh, stuck in my mind was you said at one point we were talking about spiritual travelers um, or tourists, and you said regardless of what people find in their lives, enlightenment uh, taken serious, enlightenment can lead to the transformation of the world. And I thought that that was a a very wonderful statement that you made. Yes, my dear. I mean, I, I spiritual quest is an. It's it's. I think the the this question is. This is a haunting question for human beings. Who we are really? From where we come? What is the purpose of our life? These are the fundamental questions haunting human beings for for since time immemorial. And Bangladesh is a riverine country. We had about. More than 700 rivers in a in a in a area of 145,000 square kilometers. So combined with this diversity of nature, rivers and everything, people people here a bit naturally a bit they have inclination toward mysticism. And in Bangladesh, I mean we have so many diverse practices here. So from my childhood, actually, that that encouraged me so that in in this conducive environment to have exposure to different types of spiritual practices and kind of I I traveled a bit and at the same time I wanted to know about the other practices in the world in Hinduism and Buddhism even I tried to learn a bit of Kabbalah also in uh, in Judaism. And about the, uh, of course, the meditation, all this stuff. I mean, the Hindu yogis preach. I mean, we also, I also uh, try to practice all those things just to know. I mean, basically, for the, and then even even I know about the other things going on. Is for example, in Peru, the the practice of ayahuasca and the. <laughs> The, the DMT thing and the psychedelic drugs. I have, I know all, uh, all these things. And 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 the objective was actually to know who who am I, what is the purpose. And and later I got stuck with uh, Sufis. You you know about Jalaluddin Rumi, and then I made it uh, my I made time to go to uh, Konya to visit the tomb of Rumi, which was like a like a mini United Nations. Mm. People come from all over the world there. I've seen, I mean, the black, yellow, the whites, everybody coming. And beside him, there was a tomb of a French woman who was an admirer of Rumi. So why people were coming to Rumi is because of love. He called everybody that come to me, whoever you are, whatever scene you have done. I mean, so we are all children of God and we are one one being actually into one cell dividing into so many cells so many organs we are we are basically intrinsically in essence we are same so sometimes it annoys me very much why we have so much i mean really disparity and at the same time unnecessary fights and these that things so it it needs uh, we require a kind of new type of education that will make us realize that yeah. uh, that will upgrade our our 
self-realization. Yeah. So, yeah. And even even the kind of development standard we have set for the world, I think I don't think it's correct, right. Uh, we yeah. are ruining this planet. We are simply ruining this planet. Yeah. If if for example, suppose the per capita income of USA is something like forty thousand dollar or say fifty thousand dollar, and if we follow this uh, this as standard, if all of us in the world, about seven and a half billion people, have fifty thousand dollar per capita income, the planet will become a hell. I mean, simply a hell. It's not sustainable. I mean, so we have to have a paradigm shift in our development thinking. So that's it, that's what I think. I yeah, mean, no, we, it, it, it's about who we are and what we want to become, as opposed to what we have and what we want. And I and and I can't agree. I can't I can't agree with you more. I just if you work in the field of what I call all things sustainable, uh, one of the things that is absolutely fundamentally clear is that we need to place greater value in these questions about why I exist and 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 for whom exactly. and and forget about you know accumulating all these other how we are connected how we are connected yes. with each other yes accumulating unnecessary wells i mean which yep. we cannot i mean even in our 14th generation we cannot finish no no i mean billions of dollars i mean bullshit <laughs> <laughs> well, now I, I, I want to end on a. I want to end on a on a on a, another note. Um, <clears throat> on your Facebook, uh, I saw yesterday that uh, you were wearing uh, an Argentinian uh, soccer jersey, and uh, and I just don't. I can't understand that, particularly because you knew you were going to talk to me, and you know that I'm a huge Mexico fan. So what is that? How do you connect it to Argentina? <laughs> <laughs> Football is the game. Actually, Bangladesh, Bangladesh is from I mean, from uh, early 20th century. Bangladesh is a very fond of football. This game, soccer, we call. And then because it's easy to play, you need very. It's not costly, and it's a team game for for various reasons. It's a it's a, it's a global game. I mean, it now. Is, and yeah. then. And we, as Bangladesh, is not very good in football. We associate ourselves with many other, like many many other countries. So Bangladeshis were traditionally supporter of Brazil, because maybe maybe my hypothesis is maybe they look more like us, <laughs> and they are not very rich, and they are not very rich, and so we yeah, have Brazil means we associated with them than Brazil. And then in 1986, there came Maradona, another Latin American country, which is adjacent to Brazil, and everybody madly fall in love with Maradona. <laughs> and <laughs> Maradona, so lots of Brazilian support got converted to uh, Argentinian support. So become Argentinian supporter. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, but in inside my heart, I have deep fascination about the uh, about the skill of few other countries like germany wow i mean this wow. is like a mission yeah yeah it is beautiful spain for example spain france even yeah. today traditionally traditionally for example germany even italy and italy a bit defensive but sometimes they play wonderful football and so so actually it's ultimately 
it's it's uh, this football actually is it's a uh, it gives us an opportunity to be associated with the greater humanity it does doesn't uh, it yeah uh, that's why that's the fun it's not argentina yeah. it's not uruguay or it's not actually france it's, it's about human beings we are yeah we are same we are we are together that's that's the feeling i mean i'm i'm talking with you at the same time i'm actually watching uruguay versus egypt match <laughs> just before two minutes ago uruguay, you, you you must be very uh, happy that uruguay is It has given a goal. Just, well, uh, you know, the way it works. And in, supporter of both Egypt and Uruguay. Yeah, kind of. Kind of the way it works. The way it works in my family is, um, uh, well, we're we're Canadian and Mexican, so we always root for Mexico first. Then we go for any Latin American team, and then we go for African okay. and Asian teams. And we, <laughs> the Europeans, the Europeans have had their days in the sun, and we just think. It's, it would be wonderful if Ghana won, you know, for a change, or Cameroon, or or some country that came out of Africa, or you know, because Latin Americans have won lots too. But I, I love I love your stories, and you're 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 rooted in history and everything. And this has just been an amazing, uh, amazing chat with you. I I really um, I hope to be able to see you again soon. I'll see you soon. But I want to uh, tell a few words about you. And, Uh, when I I see you, your loving face with your family, and it's it it looks so sweet and I'm so peaceful, and I hope that I mean people like you, the numbers of people like you will increase in future, very oh. rapidly. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're making you're making my no, eyes water. <laughs> no, yes, yes. I I feel always. I mean, it's just seeing you is so refreshing. Well, thank I, you. Thank you very much. Thank you again, and, and the best of luck with all your work. And and uh, let's have a fun and and fantastic uh, football World Cup season. And, and <laughs> yeah, okay. and thank thank you again, particularly on your last day of of Ramadan. And and I know you're going to be uh, you're just broken fast, or you will be breaking fast. So um, uh, thank you for taking the time. You're most welcome. See you soon. So before you go, I wanted to bring to your attention a product that help that can help make your life just a little bit more sustainable. It's the home biogas system, uh, which helps you produce your own gas to cook on uh, with organic kitchen waste or or any organic waste, uh, to that matter. It's easy to install. It, no orders. Uh, no smells. No maintenance. Uh, and it even comes with its own little uh, cook stove. Um, another great thing about it is the uh, final organic waste that is produced is great for your garden. So if you want to get some more information about that in the United States, check out homebiogas.com. Uh, in Mexico, where I live, uh, endlesssolutions.com. They also have a lot of other uh, sustainability products, such as solar panels, that you can uh, can check out. In Mexico, we got lots of sun, so it's a great thing. Anyways. Uh, check them out if you're interested at all in making your life and that of the planets just a little bit more sustainable. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, host of the Sustainable Century. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. If you did, I encourage you to check out the Sustainable Century blog at thesustainablecentury.net. Remember, to click like in all the right places. Better yet, pass the blog or pass the pod along. 
And remember, it's up to you, it's up to us to make this a happier and healthier world. Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, host of the 